This morning's reading is from John chapter 6, verses 60 to 69. John chapter 6, verses 60 to 69. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. This is the word of the Lord. I want to talk this morning about where we find true life and true fulfillment. Just a small topic for a Sunday in January. You know, our passage this morning from John chapter 6 has got a lot of movement in it. There's sort of a lot of physical coming and going in that chapter of John's gospel, which is one of the accounts that we have of the life of Jesus. It starts out with this large crowd and they move, they make their movement towards Jesus. They want to be in close proximity to him. They've heard him teach, they've seen him heal the sick and and they want to be near him. So they, they gather and Uh, They're filled miraculously during that time by Jesus with this loaves and fish. But actually, there's a sense in their movement of coming to Jesus that they're after a kind of deeper filling for their hunger. And then there's this moment of movement again where Jesus retreats with his disciples and then he walks on water, another miracle. And then the passage we read has still some more kind of physical movement where there's this moment where some of that crowd who want to go close to Jesus again then make a decision to walk away from Jesus. But those who know Jesus best decides to stick close to him. He's the direction that they want to head in. A good sense of direction is not a life skill that I'm blessed with. Anyone who, there's some laughter here from people who know me, anyone who has had me as the map reader on a car journey or who has been a passenger whilst I've been driving will know this to be true. <laughs> I, um, I actually enjoy driving, which is quite a good thing because I often find myself unintentionally driving a lot more around a place than most other people do. I'm quite sorry still to my high school friends, Alex, Daniel, Georgina, and Samantha, who had me as their allocated guide for our Duke of Edinburgh expedition. I know, I know, it was crazy. Uh, Through the Welsh kind of countryside that we were walking through, and I'm still really sorry, because I probably think that to this day we are still working through some of the trauma of having been chased off private land by a herd of very large and very angry Welsh cows. 
You know, when I worked here with undergrads, we used to take mission trips in the summer to Madrid. Uh, and there was one year when I was the one who was allocated to drive the minibus of 20 undergrads through Madrid every morning. There was me driving on the opposite side of the road with a sat-nav that kept losing signal. <laughs> through one of the busiest cities in the whole of Europe. It, it didn't go too well. We did get lost every single morning, but, and I guess just as the days went on, it took us slightly less time you know, each day to get back to where we were supposed to be. I've actually married a geographer. My husband, Owen, studied geography, and if you know him, you'll know that he's a very gracious and patient man, and our road trips together are the things to thank for that. Peter's sense of direction is really tested here. You know, Peter is asked this question by Jesus in our passage in verse 67. Where are you going to go, Peter? Where are you heading? Where, where is the trajectory of your life? And it's almost like in this moment, Peter comes to this kind of existential crossroads. And he says, some of my favorite words in the whole of the Bible, Lord, to whom? else can we go? You see, Peter has spent time with Jesus, and he has come to experience and to know that Jesus speaks words like no one else. And Peter has come to see Jesus heal the sick and, and raise the dead. Peter has come to know that there is no other worldview that makes more sense of this life than the one that Jesus embodies. There is no other hope to be known, no other peace to be felt, nowhere else to go but to Jesus. And so he says in these words, Jesus, I'm sticking with you. You are where it's at, in the ups and downs of life, on the path of life, on the roads, as the map is confusing sometimes. I want to be with you. I want you to be my companion on the road. And so what I wonder makes Peter say this that's what I want to explore for the rest of our time this morning. What makes Peter say this? You see, firstly, our passage invites us, like Peter, to go to Jesus because of who he is and what he's done. To go to Jesus because of who he is and what he's done. Jesus says in verse 62, if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before... Now, the Son of Man is actually a term that Jesus uses for himself most throughout the Gospels. And it's this echo of a moment in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible in the book of Daniel, where there is this promise that in time there would be this God-man, this God in a person who would reign the earth with perfect justice and love in a way that no one else had before. And as he did that, he would overthrow the powers of darkness. And so Jesus is saying, as he makes this reference to being the son of man and to ascending to where he was before, he's saying, I'm that person. Jesus is God in a person who has stepped into human history. That is who he is. Because although this morning there's an invitation for us to go to Jesus, you know, the wonderful truth of the gospel is that God in Christ has first come to us. 
God is the God who goes to you. God is the God who even as you kind of wake up this morning and, I don't know, grab your coffee a bit grouchy and not sure you really want to be doing this whole January thing, God goes to you with his love and affection. Jesus loves to tell the story in Luke 15. A story of a lot of movement of two sons and one son, he grabs the money of the father and he goes off. He kind of doesn't have maybe the best sense of direction either. And he spends the father's money and then he comes, Jesus says in this story, to his senses. And there's this moment where he realizes that actually life in all of its fullness and true life and fulfillment is found in the home of the love of the father. And so he, he starts running to the home of the Father. But what is wonderful about this story Jesus tells is that even before he gets there, on that road coming right towards him is the Father who loves him. And Jesus tells that story to show us that that is what the love of the Father is like for us. This morning, that love comes towards you, doesn't reject you, but comes to meet you in his Son. And Jesus mentions here his ascension, doesn't he? Following his death and resurrection, Jesus would return to the Father. What is it that the ascension says to us? Well, the ascension says to us that there is one in heaven like us. One in heaven right now who is like us, one who gets us. You know, Jesus understood what it was like to cry. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to experience sorrow. He knew what it was like to be betrayed. And he knew what it was like to suffer, even death, for us. Go to Jesus today. Go to Jesus this week. Why? Because of who he is and what he's done. He's the God who is like us. He gets our humanity. He gets our weakness. He understands and he sees you this morning. You know, this really matters to me. From my childhood, because of my family's story of health challenges and disability, it has always really mattered to me that the God that my family worshipped had something to say in the face of suffering and unanswered prayer. One uh, of my close friends, and we've known each other for years, we were in high school together, thankfully for her, she wasn't on that Duke of Edinburgh trip with the cows in the field. Um, and we, we chat about God, and um, she thinks quite differently to me. It's, it's blasphemy for her and her family uh, to imagine that, that Jesus was both fully God and fully human. You know, it's unthinkable for them that the God that their family worship would come into the, the world and suffer and be mocked and even die. But for me, that truth has been, always been so compelling and convincing of the reality of the love of God. That the God I know didn't distance himself from human pain and suffering, didn't anaesthetize himself with the pain of this world, but was prepared to step in. Here is a God ascended into heaven who is like us, who understands our pain. To whom else can we go? Go to Jesus because of who he is and what he has done. Like us, one like us. But you know what, for me, there's almost something that is even more compelling than that. Here is someone, Jesus, who is also so not like us. 
Peter's words in our passage underscore that where he declares with conviction, we have come to believe and experience that you are the Holy One of God. You know, here is Jesus who knew what it was like to be a person in the world that was not how it was meant to be, but was always at every turn the one that he was meant to be, the Holy One of God. To whom else can we go? Go to Jesus because he understands us in our weakness and suffers alongside us, but go to Jesus because of who he is, one who is also not like us and therefore able to save us from sin and from death, for that's what he came to do. And he talks about this, you see, in the verses just before the words that Emily read to us from our passage earlier. He talks about knowing a bread that would fill. And he's speaking here about his death on the cross, about his body that would be broken for us, about his blood that would be shed for us, offering us the forgiveness that we need, offering us and leading us into true life and fulfillment. You know, if you're stuck in a hole, it's good to have someone who can hold your hand Perhaps it's better next to have someone who can say, I I get that, I've been there too. But what's best is to have someone who can pull you out. And God in Christ has done that for us. He is the one, go to him this morning for who he is and what he's done. One like us, but one different from us in his perfect holiness, the savior of the world so that he can pull us out and put us on the path, the trajectory to life and fulfillment. So go to him this week because of who he is and what he's done, because he loved you first. Go, and go to him in prayer as well because he knows you deeply. I love that moment, the detail of verse 61 of our passage where we see that supernaturally Jesus knows even the inaudible whispers of that crowd. You know, this morning Jesus knows the best bits of you and he knows the worst bits of you that You try and keep to just a a little hidden whisper. And he loves you still. And he wants to lead you into life and fulfillment. So go to him tomorrow. I don't know, ahead of that tricky meeting at work. Go to him as you read the scriptures to know truth and comfort ahead of a doctor's appointment this week. Go to him in college this week because you know where he is at and his words of life are where true life is found, not the dead ends that the world might offer you. And go to him with the community of his people for encouragement and for faith building. For to whom else can we go? So firstly, go to Jesus because of who he is and what he's done. And secondly, go to Jesus because he alone gives eternal life. In verse 68, Peter declares, you, Jesus, you alone have the words of eternal life and that's why I'm sticking with you. And Jesus says in verse 63 that the words that he has spoken are full of the Spirit and of life. You see, Peter knows that Jesus has something to offer that will fill way more deeply than the bread and fishes that the crowd had had earlier on. Peter knows that Jesus' words are full of abundant life, and, and Peter 
would come to see that following Jesus, his death and his resurrection would lead to life everlasting after this short life that we experience here. You see, with Jesus, the pathway to eternal life has broken in. I used to be a secondary school English teacher. I wasn't a geography teacher. That would have been a disaster, wouldn't it? And I loved being an English teacher. It was really fun. It did also mean I often had a room full of teenagers who couldn't care less about Shakespeare or the effective use of semicolons. Um, One of my pupils was called Mark. Mark was this brilliant scientist. He, you know, the sort of kid who would get awards for being great at science. And um, in the GCSE O-level English exam, they had to do this pre question where you'd summarize like a newspaper article. Does anyone remember having to do things like that? Yeah. Um, And Mark was brilliant at this. Short, to the point, concise, 10 out of 10 Mark, well done. But when it came to Mark's creative writing, sometimes his sentences went a bit like this. It was January. Stop. I made New Year's resolutions, stop. That was fun, stop. Only lasted five days, stop. (laughs) Time and time again, marking his work, I'd write in the margins, Mark, don't put the full stop too soon. You know, Jesus, the one, the only one to whom we can go, through his death and his resurrection, he finishes off the sentence, inviting us not to put the full stop too soon, because only in him is there life eternal. Life beyond this short, brief life. He is the one, and in the power of his spirit, the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, we can know that abundant life to come. But it's also, as we wait for that day, an abundant life that we can experience here and now by the power of his spirit. As we know his life-giving words and the work of the Holy Spirit of whom he speaks here in this passage, empowering us, infilling us with that which would last beyond just this feeding, this physical feeding of, of bread and fish. The power of the Spirit who is with you tomorrow in your workplace, in your community, as you raise your family, as you perhaps sense loneliness or struggle financially. The Holy Spirit, that eternal life breaking into the pathway of the road that you are walking on even today. Do you know the Holy Spirit with you? Do you know him with you? Will you go to Jesus as the one alone who offers eternal life? Abundant life now and abundant life to come. A couple of months ago, we heard that the story of one of the undergrads, uh, he's, he's now actually doing like a Teach First course in London, going to be a teacher, a guy called Nathan, who came to faith last year through Alpha. Some of you may remember him sharing his story. And Nathan He uh, grew up culturally Hindu and through real suffering as a kid losing his mum at a young age, had so many questions about God and faith and life and eternity. And, And he came into church. He was an undergrad studying here at the uni and he came into this church and then he did Alpha, the Alpha course. We were hearing about that this morning, starting on Tuesday, seven o'clock here, do Alpha. He came to the Alpha course, and week by week, he saw who Jesus is and what he's done. 
He saw that only in Jesus is their life eternal, and he came to experience as his life was transformed by the work of the Spirit, the reality of that Spirit and life breaking in to him. And as he was sharing his story, I loved hearing about how he was saying that since that day when he gave his life to Jesus, when he went to Jesus, as it were, his friends around him have been saying, Nathan, what's going on? You've changed. And Nathan is saying to them, you know, yeah, that's the work of the life of the Spirit of God in me, transforming me. I know, says Nathan now, true life and fulfillment. So go to Jesus because of who he is, what he's done. Go to Jesus because only in him is eternal life, abundant life to come, even beyond death itself, and a life which breaks into the road we're on here and now by the work of his Holy Spirit. And thirdly and finally, go and take your friends to Jesus. I really love Simon Peter. I think he's great. He makes me smile. I kind of imagine that him and a few others of the disciples are like the naughtiest kids in the class. (laughs) And here is Simon Peter, you know, speaking out like he often does. And many of you may know what happens with Peter, that actually when the going gets tough and Jesus is arrested, and we can read of this later on in the Gospels, it gets pretty risky and uncomfortable to follow Jesus. And where before Peter had been so certain that the trajectory he wanted in his life was right close to Jesus at that moment, when it's most tricky and uncomfortable and hard, Peter denies knowing Jesus. But what's so beautiful about his story is that, again, when he couldn't really go to Jesus, after Jesus' resurrection, we have this brilliant account at the end of this Gospel of John of Jesus going again to Simon Peter and calling him afresh to the purposes of his life and showing the grace and the love of Jesus showing the trajectory ahead for him. And a big part of that for Simon Peter is bringing people to know this Jesus that has changed his life. You see, it's really normal, isn't it, in life to share the things that we love most. We do it with good restaurants we've been to or good films we've watched. We do it with good series that we've started watching on TV. I've just started, Owen and I have just started watching something and I've been telling lots of you about this. (laughs) Sharing what we love most is a very normal thing to do. It's not weird. It's not unusual. It makes so much sense. And so if this morning you know what it is like to have the God of the universe come to you, and if you have, as it were, gone to him and responded to him. If you can say, to whom else can we go? Only Jesus has the words of eternal life. Then take your friends to Jesus too. Bring them to Alpha. Introduce them to the God who knows them deeply, even those little whispers that they keep hidden. The God who only in whom we can know eternal life. I wonder who this week are you going to, as it were, go and take to Jesus? Go and read the Bible with, go and pray with in your workplace, in your college, as a mum at the school gate. 
Which friends do you long to take to Jesus? Yesterday, I had the privilege of being with my grandma as she comes towards the end of her life here on earth. My uh, grandma didn't grow up following Jesus, but as a young adult, she went along to a series of talks in Sinatli. And during that, her and her cousin and many others actually, as it were, went to Jesus and said, yes, to whom else can we go? He's the one in which true life and fulfillment is found. And ever since that day, as a young adult, she has been going to Jesus daily. I uh, remember as a kid seeing her sort of prayer board beside her bed. And I know because I spent so much time with her that this was a woman who loved this life-giving word of the scriptures that she knew so well and that shaped all that she was. And I used to, as a teenager, see her every week on a Thursday. She'd come over to our house in Cardiff and we'd have dinner. And she was this woman who just carried with her the presence of Jesus. She was this woman who just in the most gentle way would carry the the presence of the Holy Spirit with her. You know, she went to Jesus, as it were, all those years ago. And in the coming days, perhaps even hours, she will go to him into his everlasting arms and will experience the reality of the place where there is no more crying or mourning or sadness or pain, or death. She went to Jesus. She will go to Jesus. And you know, Mary Morgan, my grandma, she was a fantastic evangelist. She took a lot of her friends to Jesus too. I can remember her telling me uh, in her 70s about how she was doing something like Alpha with all the neighbors on her street because she longed for them to come to know the life and fulfillment that she had known. To whom else can we go in the face of death? To whom else can we go even when others are turning away from Jesus? To whom else can we go for that meaning, for that purpose, for that fulfillment? Only Jesus. Go to him this morning. Perhaps you, like my grandma, made a a decision to follow Jesus many years ago. Well, I want to ask you this morning, are you going to him afresh? All that you are all that you have, all that you hope to be, go to him this morning. And perhaps you've come here and you've never really said a yes to Jesus as the path for your life. Go to him this morning. To whom else can you turn? Only he has the words of eternal life. Amen.